Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. When I was 10 years old, I went on a visit to the battlefield of Antietam with family members and was inspired there with a passion for studying the Civil War that has never gone away. If you can't go to the battlefield itself, the next best thing, of course, has always been to read about it in the works of people like Stephen Sears and James McPherson. 20 years ago, the World Wide Web promised a new way to learn about Antietam and other battlefields. But for many years, there was disappointment websites could be produced by any eighth grader and often were has the web come of age is there now a place where you can really learn about a civil war battle in a meaningful way not previously available we'll talk tonight with webmaster brian downey the creator of antietam on the web and he'll tell us about it on civil war talk radio Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu 
www.ucf.edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you as almost always from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in eastern North Carolina, not northern East Carolina, well, sort of central East Carolina, in the state of North Carolina, part of the University of North Carolina system, but not speaking for the system or for ECU or for new head basketball coach Joe Dooley here at ECU or anybody else, just myself and my guest will likewise do the same thing. It is April of 2018 as we talk this evening. Uh, recording is it's a beautiful balmy night outside there was a little rain for a minute earlier but it's nice now it's baseball season here on campus basketball has come to an end for ECU basketball came to an end months ago I think before the first game they're just not very good but we've hired a new coach uh, as of this afternoon maybe things will turn around in big-time basketball my alma mater University of Michigan was finally driven out of the NCAA tournament in the national championship game. Uh, very impressed with how well the team did to get there, but Villanova was the best team in the country by a long shot this year, and they crushed Michigan as they did all their opponents. So we'll move on to new sports. I said baseball is underway. The ECU Pirates are looking good. They're a top 20 ranked team, and they're fun to watch. They play good fundamental baseball. I'm a Tigers fan, Detroit Tigers fan by birth, um, but it's uh, it's also fun to support a team that shows promise of winning a lot this year. So I'm I'm keeping an eye on our local ECU Pirates. The uh, uh, in other local news here on campus, April is as always the cruelest month for academics. It means it's time for Final exams coming up soon, plus grading term papers and all the other year-long projects that add up all at once. And it also means time to do annual reports, the bane of existence. It is a time when I put my feet up with great joy in the evening and rejoice in not being department chair anymore, uh, having not having to write annual reports for the whole department and send them to the college and the provost and deal with all kinds of things besides uh, reading, uh, research, teaching, the things I'm trained at doing. And this year, our annual reports are being filed in a new format. Uh, for years here at ECU, we used a piece of software called Sedona that was invented, I think, by a business professor from Tennessee, maybe in the 1990s, as a homemade project for him to do his own reports on. And it was so nifty that other people liked it and asked him to make copies, and pretty soon he turned it into a business. And it looks like a homemade 1990s piece of software. Uh, continues to look like that in 2017, 2018. So much so that... Um, well, not enough so uh, to dissuade whoever bought it for ECU 10 or 15 years ago when we first got this piece of software, doubtless somebody who was not familiar with progress since the 90s. Uh, it, it looked bad, and it was bad. It, it's not important that something look good if it works well, but in general, if something does not look professional, 
Uh, and you know this when you read Civil War books. If you get one published by a university press or a Civil War-oriented press that does this for a living, uh, Morningside or Savas Beatty or one of those, that's one thing. If you get one from you know, Joe's books, you know any author can put things and self-publish them. Uh, not good. So Sedona was, was really uh, a chore to work with. It was a one-person show, so our own IT people couldn't modify it. It was all proprietary, and everything had to be uh, changed one piece at a time. It, it it was good riddance two years ago when they announced they were looking for a new campus-wide reporting software, and I was flattered to be asked to be the uh, faculty chair of this effort, uh, but I chose between that or managing the Heritage Hall project that uh, I've talked with you about before, and I uh, picked the one that has to do with history, since that's what I'm theoretically uh, supposed to understand. So I didn't have a role in choosing uh, the new system, but from what I've seen, it's way better. And everyone will complain for a year about having to learn something new, but but it's going to be a lot. Well, it's not going to be worse, I'll put it that way. Uh, we'll talk a little more tonight about software. We bring our guest in in just a few minutes because uh, software that looks good and works good are not always the same, but there is something in common there, and I'll ask him about that. In the meantime, I'll recommend a piece of or a website, I should say, that not only looks good and works good, but is in fact the perhaps the second best site on the web after uh, Antietam on the web that we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, it's it is, of course, www.impedimentsofwar.org, where you can find out what's happening here on Civil War Talk Radio. Uh, you'll see there our next two guests are both going to talk about the state of Kentucky. We've got uh, Bill Penn and Daryl Smith next week talking about Cynthiana and Harrison County battles in Kentucky. And the following week, April 18th, Barry Craig talking to us about the press in Kentucky during the secession crisis. We've got some non-Kentucky books coming up after that, but go to the website. You'll see what's there. While you're there, you can also donate to Civil War Talk Radio by clicking on the PayPal button. Thanks to everyone who's done that and the prod of the conscience toward everyone who has not. The funds, I often say, are used for whatever I want to do with them, and that's true. It's not a tax-deductible gift. I'm not a 501c3, nor do I claim to be one. But this past semester, I have actually spent the money on something besides personal indulgence, in particular, buying uh, supplies for History 5930, the class that involves uh, creating a museum exhibit. And I've mentioned this in the last month or two a few times. We're getting ready to open. If you're anywhere in the north, eastern North Carolina area, come to the May Museum in Farmville, North Carolina on Sunday, April 15th at 3.30. And we will be opening an exhibit called uh, uh, Ensign Paul A. Parker, A Farmville Hero's Journey, as we explore the military career of a local pilot flew an F-6F during World War II, was lost at sea in the Marianas Campaign off Saipan in 1944, and it was researched and created by students here at East Carolina University, and I think they've done a wonderful job. It's been a, 
a pleasure to work with them. And uh, the exhibit's not up yet, uh, not not open yet, not complete. We've got another week to put the finishing touches on it. There are always last-second disasters in any project, so I don't want to count any chickens just yet. But I think it's going to be a very uh, good-looking, small but very good-looking exhibit. And if you're around, come look at it. And I use some of your money to buy things like uh, 148th scale F6F Hellcat airplane, two of them actually, which students then modified and developed into various display elements, uh, all kinds of good things there. So come see that. But let's move from the Second World War back to the Civil War and talk with our guest tonight, Brian Downey, who is the webmaster, the creator of a site called Antietam on the web. That's Antietam, like the battle, dot A-O-T-W dot O-R-G. Mr. Downey, are you there? I am here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Glad to have you here. Uh, This is... I think of first, I don't, I can't recall talking about a website, maybe, maybe Valley of the Shadow with, uh, was one, one that we, we did, uh, in the past. Uh, I'm sorry, but I've got a little feedback there to say that again. I was saying, I think it was Dr. Ayers who did, uh, Valley of the Shadow. I was a great fan of this. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, uh, uh, Let's let's start with your background. Uh, what what's your day job when you're not working on our, uh, Antietam on the web, or is this a full time occupation? No, it's never been full time. Um, we're there now, but it, it, only about two years. Uh, before that, I was an IT guy, so uh, systems development, um, mostly federal for for thirty years or so. Okay. Well, I guess IT is not a surprising uh, thing for someone who develops a website. What about your interest in, in the Civil War? How far back does that go? Uh, well, that, that probably, like many of your your guests and, and lots of your fans, I think, is goes back to the centennial of the Civil War, probably. And I'm I'm not old enough to have been uh, around for most of that. I, uh, but but as I began to read uh, in the middle '60s, that was the the prime subject for for me anyway, and for many of my friends. I think again because of the centennial of the Civil War. So, uh, so I, I will say go, specifically, maybe like you, I, I had a particular experience which which uh, kind of stuck in my head. Uh, how how did that come about? Um, well, it was a, a book actually, and I I think everybody will probably remember it. The American Heritage uh, put a, a massive volume on the Civil Wars, heavily illustrated. Um, Including some photographs from uh, Gardner at NT, one of which just riveted me. It was the uh, picture of uh, dead soldiers at the at the fence along the Hagerstown Pike at Antietam, and it it just stunned me. Uh, my my first reaction was, like many people, it was like a train wreck, and it was kind of a, a a gory representation. But very quickly after that, I began to think about, you know, what what put those men there? What, how did they get there? What did they feel? Um, you know, what were they fighting for? I think that is you know, that particular battle. That, that's interesting. It does parallel my experience going to Antietam, seeing the sunken road, and then seeing the photographs uh, in the visitor center of what the sunken road looked like at the battle. And again, the, the corpses and the debris. It, it, right. it, one, one couldn't help but wonder, what, what is all this about? Uh, <laughs> 
I think I was probably 10 or 12 years old at the time. So it was, it was, it was abrupt. It was, it was very strong for me. It, it's interesting how, how many people listening uh, to the show and how many people who've been on the show remember that book, the American Heritage, uh, the Centennial History of the Civil War, the not not the Bruce Canton three volume one, but the the one volume one that you mentioned with all the illustrations and the bird's eye right. maps. Right, that's that, lovely, right? Mm-hmm. I think that captivated a lot of us. Um, of so uh, you would not argue that uh, the website is a substitute for visiting Antietam, and you you've you been to the okay. battlefield many times. I have. I, was gonna, I made a note when you, when you began thinking about you know, if, if you can't go to the battlefield event, that best thing is to be it. It's it's true. You learn a lot that way, but there's no substitute for being there. I, I would argue particularly in Tatum, which is uh, it's, it's not a flat detail map as you might read in a book. It's it's twisty, uh, undulating ground, swales and hills. It it its geography is probably a great to do with why it was such a battle. Absolutely. And, and that, as you say, you don't see that with a, with a two-dimensional map. You look at it, and it looks flat. And then when you get out there, even the the smallest swelling of the ground when you're right there, it, it makes a huge difference. Well, I want to talk about the website specifically, but we're going to take a short break first and come back and mo- come back more and talk with the webmaster of the site, Antietam on the web. He's Brian Downey. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich talking today with Brian Downey, the webmaster for the site Antietam on the Web. To find that, uh, you go to Antietam, spelled like the battle, dot A-O-T-W dot O-R-G, and check out this very interesting website. You can check it out, follow along as we talk about it. So, uh, Brian, in, in our first segment, we talked about the importance of going to the battlefield itself, but... Uh, uh, you were bitten by uh, the, the bug after seeing the pictures and the, the Bruce Cattons and uh, history of the Civil War. At some point, you you decided to create this website. How did that? How did it come about? Hmm. Uh, well, like most people, I suppose prior to the web, I, I collected information. In my case, in physical file folders with. Um, scraps of notes and uh, graph paper, grids of parts of the battlefield, and that sort of thing. As I was reading, I would take notes, make make notes about details that I, that I found interesting, and began to accumulate quite a pile. Um, and had trouble kind of working through it. So I I remember I'd taken the note a year before about something and, and tried to connect it to something I was reading at the time, and had difficulty going back and forth between those. Um, and when I began working in the web professionally, recognized immediately, of course, that the, the hypertext linking process or, or technology was perfect for being able to get back and forth between related facts in a, in a logical manner. So the the uh, I mean I'm involved right now with the uh, creating a historical website for the university here at East Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, just thinking about the, that. The difference between a website and a book, that in a book you have a linear stream of information. You can open a book at any page, of course, but the author expects most readers will start at the beginning and work their way through. Um, yes. A website is not that way at all. Uh, since you don't have a narrative thread in a website, because those viewers can go any direction they want, uh, how did you decide to organize this particular site? That's a that's a great question. That's actually key to any website design, really, um, Civil War or any other any other subject matter at all. Um, in my case, I, I think sort of hierarchically, um, meaning I like to see things in categories and boxes and start large and, and divvy down to small. So I did the same thing with the information I had, or, or later added about about the battle. It began with things like um, military organizations. Um, start with armies and, and divide them into uh, core or or uh, wings in the case of the Confederate Army, uh, and, and work down through hierarchies to get to individual units, uh, a lower brigade like a regiment or a battalion or the batteries of artillery, and just mm-hmm. create a little entity for each one in a in a set of data, um, and then connect each of the entities with 
those above it in the hierarchy so that you could drill down or climb up to see how this structure worked. And they began to do the same thing with, with individuals, attach them to the regiment they were in, for example, so that you could go from a person to a regiment, a regiment to a person. Um, and over a very long time, added all sorts of things to that, like maps so that you could identify where on a on the battlefield an individual was or his unit um, and, and as the battle progressed over the day. So if you're saying you have down to the individual level, if I want to know uh, about a particular soldier who was at Antietam, am I likely to be able to find that information on your site? That's a, that's a great leading question. To some extent, yes. I mean, I've been at this a long time, but the, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get to all the individuals who were on the Maryland campaign. I'm, I've seen estimates to put that number something like 150,000 people. Um, mm-hmm. And as a as a guy working in my house, I, I'm never going to talk. I'm never going to touch all those people, uh, even <laughs> identify them probably. Um, mm-hmm. But I have identified something like 15,000 of them so far. Um, mm-hmm. One at a time, kind of working through um, references to to determine who was actually at the battle. So to answer the question directly, if you come to Antietam on the web looking for all the individuals who were there, you'll be disappointed. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I have a pretty, pretty good representative uh, section of, of a lot of them. Now, the, um, is this website connected with the battlefield or National Park Service in any way? No way whatsoever. I mean, I know those, those folks and I love them. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but... But they don't have any, I don't represent them. They don't. They don't. They don't have anything officially to do with me. I understand that many of my friends, the park rangers there, do use um, use me as a reference on occasion. But no, I have no official relationship. So this this really is a labor of love to create this this website. Then it's not not officially affiliated with the park. Uh, it's That's- it's just passion embodied. Thanks for using the word passion. Some of my friends and family call it an obsession. It's, it is. <laughs> it, it, there's no rational reason for doing this, and I'm, I'm not really sure. When I when I when I, when I look at it rationally, I say, why, why do I still do this? It's the obsession part. Actually, at this point, um, is, is is with trying to identify and and learn a little bit about as many of those individual soldiers as I can. I mean, there are lots lots of other, I think, good things on the site that would help somebody who maybe wanted to just get an overview of the battle or find out where their great, great grandfather fought or, or things like that. But, but for me, it's, it's come to be the, the kind of ongoing effort to identify as many of those 150,000 people as I can, at least in my lifetime, and maybe pass it on to somebody else to take over after me. So when did you start this project? Uh, I started it sometime before going online, but my first website was, in 96. So that's 20, coming up on 22 years ago. And the web, uh, for our younger listeners, and mm-hmm. I, I think the demographic largely follows uh, people like like you and me who at least uh, became interested shortly after or even during the, the centennial. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of us of, of this age, but there are, there are younger listeners. Uh, there may be some who are unaware that there was a time before the web existed. Uh, and certainly in 96, uh, it, it was pretty primitive. I was talking in the introduction about the primitive reporting software we've been saddled with here that they finally got rid of this year that looked like mm-hmm. 90s software with the, the big blocky colors and uh, just 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 looked 
yeah, you know, you can't describe it, but everybody knows what you can tell a Studebaker from a, uh, you know, a 2018 model uh, at one look. You could tell old software at one look. Uh, so, so you, when you started, there, it was it was a pretty crude environment. Yes, and and I'd I'd, I'd be embarrassed, I suppose, to to show anyone what my work looked like <laughs> in that year as well. Uh, and unfortunately, there's this thing called the Internet Archives, which has a an unpleasant habit of capturing the past. There are some old versions of my site out there that I don't look at, but they're there. Um, you're absolutely correct. The, the software was really primitive. The, uh, all the work I did originally is was in in just plain HTML, which is the language of the web. There was there was no database. There was no connectivity. There was it was just hand coded page after page. When I got to several hundred generals, for example, or, or senior officers. I decided I couldn't continue to do that one piece at a time. So uh, I, w- I was very glad when the software advanced and I was able to do uh, some slightly more sophisticated tools to do that. Now, how how stable is the website today? That you think you know, technology is always changing, new uh, software is always being developed. Yeah, it, it it's stable and current. I've had to rewrite the code. I would say twice fundamentally in the last 10 years. Um, most of the software that's on it now is only about 10 years old. I did most of that work in, say, 2004 or 2005 in, in something called PHP with a with an open source database called MySQL behind it. Um, and those packages, PHP and MySQL, have gone through many revisions in that, what is that, in 12 years or so, um, to the point where some of the software I wrote became non-functional you know the, the the code changed enough that that what i was using wasn't even working anymore so i've rewritten it most of it anyway twice once probably five years ago and then again as recently as about two months ago so it's current and stable uh it, it, you're absolutely correct the software is going to keep moving so i'll have to do this again probably at least once more in my lifetime one of the things that, that anyone who uses websites uh, typically does glancing at the first page you look at the bottom and i note two things that that tell quite different messages one is you have a copyright date and teed them on the web copyright mm-hmm. 1996 through 2018 which says this website has been around for a long time this guy's really uh, stuck to it the other thing is site last updated and it's i'm looking at 3 april 2018 that's yesterday uh, it's not stale. Uh, how, how often do you update? Um, well, uh, in the past, I've done it more or less frequently. I mean, sometimes I would go months, two or three months without doing anything. That mm-hmm. was when I had small children, for example. <laughs> They're all grown and gone now, so I, I probably touch it every day. Um, again, most of that effort is in adding uh, individual biographies to the site, individual profiles of soldiers mostly. So, yeah, I, I, I mean it all the time. Which uh, again gives gives confidence to to the viewer that that someone's keeping keeping an eye on this. It's not a, a dead thing sitting here. Right. Another thing that that gives confidence or takes it away when when using the web, and I would guess everybody listening to the show has had this experience. When when you get a book, you know if it's published by an academic press that it's been read by academic readers. Who vetted it before it was approved for publication? If you get a book from a Civil War specialty press whose reputation is on the line, they're likely 
you know, the editor and the publisher know something about the topic. They're not going to accept just anything. Uh, if you look online, uh, there's no footnotes. There's no vetting institution. There's there's no immediate way to tell if a website is reliable or not in terms of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will push back on you very slightly. There, yes, there, please. Footnotes are, footnotes, footnotes are not impossible on the web. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've been using them since 2005. Mm-hmm. I have, um, at least for the, for the majority of the work I've done in that 12 years or so, um, I do footnote. Um, I'm, I'm not an academic historian and not formally trained as one. I've learned a little bit about giving people some confidence, as you say, that what they have in front of them is useful and that they could actually quote it or, you know, make make extensions from it. So yeah, I try to I try to put on my work, and generally not if I can help it with secondary sources, but primary where I can find it. And the the beauty of the web, of course, is that I can find almost anything printed in the 19th yeah. century on the web somewhere, and and uh, and and. And grab from it. And, well, exactly, and that's that is, I think, why we're having this conversation tonight uh, is, is that this site does have reference notes, uh, does have uh, rely visibly does rely on primary sources for a lot of its information. So I can go to something, and not only is it uh, do I see, oh, this is drawn from a primary source, but often there's a link to the source, and I can then uh, actually look at it right there and confirm where, where something came from. And I think that is still unusual on the net, to have something, uh, as you say, it's not literally academic standard, that's not your background, but but the gist, you know, the idea is there, that, that you're, you're telling us where you got your, your data and letting us, the users, look it up to confirm makes the site a useful site, in, in my view. Yeah, very good. That, that's a conscious effort. Uh, again, not again, not because I'm publishing or, or, or want anybody to, to, to take it for anything other than information. But, yes, it, it, it frustrated me many years ago at the beginning of the web to, to have people make statements, particularly historical mm-hmm. statements or pretending to be historical statements, without understanding where it came from. So and as you say, the beauty of the web is that I can link directly back to a, I don't know, a Google Book version or a Internet Archive version of a 19th century work. and send you to the page in that work that I found this information. You can read more yourself. It's, it's pretty exciting technology, really. It and it really is. The uh, in contrast, I was watching a, a lecture from the U.S. Army War College. Uh, uh, somebody had posted on YouTube a lecture about Stewart at Gettysburg. And it was interesting, but I scanned through the comments below, and there are your monkeys typing Shakespeare. Um, there you have people saying the most ludicrous things about the Civil War, most ill-informed, and other people coming back, well, if you read so-and-so, and here's a legitimate source, and they reply, no, no, you're wrong. Uh, based on nothing at all, just just if your opinion's louder, you win. Uh, and people trying to argue back by citing their sources and and just getting nowhere. Uh, the internet is still wild and and often unpleasant place, but and Tiedem on the web is like an oasis in that sense. I'm looking now at the maps page, for example, uh, and you've you've got these references to all these 
uh, maps from Library of Congress, uh, uh, the Carmen maps and others. Talk a little bit about the maps, if you would. Hmm. Sure. So I, I think and you, maybe a hint of it was was how, how deeply I got sucked in by that gardener photograph. I think I'm probably what you might call a visual learner or somebody who's attracted to what looks good as much as anything else. Um, to, so to me, maps are a great way to try to visualize. And as we talked about earlier, it, you can oversimplify a battle on a map um, because it, it really uh, is it's easy to, to forget about hills and swales and forest and all the other geographical features. But for me, the maps was one of the first things I worked on. And again, it was the, the potential of being able to click on a, on the symbol on a map and go find the unit that the symbol represents and maybe drill down and find out who the commanding officer was or, or, you know, who, who else was in that unit at that, at that battle. Um, so the maps were an early key for me to be able to tie the information together. And, and again, listeners, if you're not following along yet, if you haven't logged on to uh, Antietam on the web, you'll, you'll want to do so uh, when we're done here. But to go to the web, to, to the map page, and there's, you know, one of the, uh, uh, you know, primary source map, but it's got the red and blue arrows and lines overlaid. But each one is hyperlinked. You click on one of the arrows of uh, Richardson's division, takes you to a smaller map uh, of, of their attack on the Bloody Lane, and now you click on the individual regiment, the, the, the blue line representing the 14th Indiana, and it takes you mm-hmm. to the page you've got about that unit, and then you've got uh, the reference to the tablets on the battlefield that mention the unit and the individuals in the unit that you've identified. And I'm using this just as an example here, and I see uh, a couple dozen names uh, that that you've found, and each one there's, there's, at a minimum, name, rank, and dates, and others have some additional information or a photograph. Uh, It's it, it, it really takes advantage of the hyperlink technology. Uh, we're going to take a break. I'm, I'm talking so much because this is such an exciting thing to look at. Uh, we'll take a short break. While we're doing that, look at Antietam on the web. Uh, it's created by our guest tonight, Brian Downey. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com 
You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich talking today with Brian Downey, the webmaster and creator of the website Antietam on the Web. It's at antietam.aotw.org. You can visit it and learn about this battle in ways that that don't replace, but that complement and supplement reading about the battle and visiting the battlefield. Uh, This is a, a website that takes advantage of uh, of, of what the internet's strengths in terms of, of links that connect things uh, synergistically one to the other uh, in a way that, that a lot of websites uh, wish they could do. Uh, one of the, we talked uh, in the second segment about reliability and how you know when when my students are looking on the web, I caution them don't just believe everything you see. Uh, and you mentioned here we have uh, you've got reference notes that often take us to primary sources, which are actually linked, so we can look things up without having to leave the site. The the another thing that determines for me the the, the influences what I think of the reliability of a site is who's doing it and why. You've talked about this as a, a labor of love, as, as a, a passion or obsession, as some might say, uh, uh, as, as, but something that, that you enjoy doing. Uh, is there – what about funding? I mean, bandwidth is not perfectly free. Um, um, how how do you support this? <laughs> it's just out of pocket, Jerry. Uh, it's really not all that expensive to, to maintain. I, I probably – um, less than a couple hundred dollars a year, probably in in in, uh, in just server costs. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't I don't have any costs in software, so it's really just a matter of time. I mean, that's not small, mm-hmm. but but it's not a it's not an out of pocket cost, so it's not awful to do. Um, I, I thought early on about some of my some of my uh, internet friends do advertise or, or make make money on their websites in other ways, and, right. and I, I suppose I suppose that's okay to me. It's just my impression is it, it, it kind of I think it demeans the site a little bit. It reduces its its quality to the extent you know I don't know about you, but I hate seeing ads on a website. But more importantly, if you're an amateur like I am, or a, a hobbyist, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and you have ads on your site, then I think you you might you might give somebody the wrong impression that you're you're not out there to to put the facts out there. You're out there to make money. So I've, I've avoided that all along, just to avoid that conflict of interest, if you will. Um, and again, the money we're talking about isn't so large that it makes a huge, huge difference. I mean, maybe my family would argue, but <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, I understand that completely. My wife is always saying, you know, can't you monetize Civil War Talk Radio and get us enough to put in a new kitchen? And the answer, <laughs> uh, the, the, the listeners are generous with their donations, but the, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I, I hear exactly what you're saying about advertising. I've had people. Whose ads would be relevant? Who, you know, maybe a Civil War bookshop or a service of some kind who've contacted me, mm-hmm. and I hope the people at, uh, uh, you know, Voice America are not listening because they would, they they sell ads. They're they're, they're a commercial service, but mm-hmm. if uh, if I were to start taking 
you know, putting ads in the com- commercial breaks we take instead of letting them run, whatever, whenever they run. I don't. They turn my phones off. I don't even know what they're saying between our breaks. Um, but if they between our segments uh, during the breaks. But but you're exactly right. If if I had to get commercials for that, then am I now saying I like the uh, Abraham Lincoln Bookshop in Chicago more than I like the uh, Gettysburg Miniature Soldier Shop? Let's say take two different places. One advertises, one mm-hmm. doesn't. Uh, I, I don't want to be in that position, and I don't want to be doing it as a job where I'm looking for money. I get paid already for my day job. Uh, so I'm I'm with you there. I I, I hear, mm-hmm. but it, I think it does add to the 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 appearance of your site that it does, is not festooned with advertising. It's easier to use for one thing, uh, but it also does give the sense that this is not someone who's doing it for anything other than the pure desire to communicate. Uh, one of the other things that gives this credibility is the the sources page, and anyone listening to the show is likely to go almost first to your bibliography. And, and see what kind of research you've done. And it's extensive, uh, as anyone looking at it can see. I did click on a few links uh, to some of the sources that you cite, to some of the electronic sources. You have print and electronic separately. Uh, mm-hmm. And not all the electronic ones are, some of those are, are, are broken. Uh, yeah. Out of the hundreds, however many you have, it's inevitable that would be the case. Uh, yeah, but I guess that's, I, I that's a hazard. Yes, it, it's and it's not unavoidable. There is software actually for that. It'll really, you know, whack through all your links and tell you which ones are dead. And, and I've used that too. Um, okay. But in the case of the sources or the bibliography page, I made a conscious decision to leave up dead links. I should probably just identify them so you don't try to click them, because they were a source at one point and they 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 may have gone dark. Um, but but my use of them did not. You know, I'm still still citing them. Right, and no, I'm not. I'm not inclined to go. You know, rub that out. So, yeah, that's. You're absolutely correct. It's true all over the website. Um, I'm, I probably have tens of thousands of links, and I'm willing to bet. I don't know some fairly high percentage, twenty percent or fifty percent, perhaps, of those may be dead by now after fifteen or eighteen years. Right. So it it is a risk. Um, for me, though, particularly by site 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 of site. Um, I feel it's necessary to leave it up there so that you know where it came from, even if it's no longer available. That's an, I, I, so the defense of actually having them there, it's, I, that's really interesting. I had not thought of that, and it makes sense. Plus, as, as you, you pointed, the Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine, there there are occasionally ways you can get to a dead site or the material that was right. once on a dead site, even, even if it's not an active link anymore. Uh, so you've got that. In your years of research, did anything really astonish you as as you were putting this together? Hmm. I get this question sometimes. Um, nothing individually. It's more like a, a kind of a grains of sand thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I've looked at literally thousands, again more than fifteen thousand individuals, and tried to find basic information about them. What did they do before the war? What happened after the war if they survived? Um, really basic stuff. And I'm, I'm struck after looking at It's sort of a general impression I get after thousands of them is that there is no, I mean, we like generalities. We like simplicity. We like to be able to say, I don't know, all soldiers had this particular attitude or why were they fighting or what was their experience? And it, there is no common experience. I like to say there are, if there were 150,000 people in Maryland in 1862, in uniform, there are 150,000 different 
Antietam. You know what I mean? There, there is no mm-hmm. one story that, that covers them all. So I've seen lots of extraordinary things in research, people surviving incredible wounds, for example, mm-hmm. um, or dying from apparently innocuous things. Um, being, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorites, I suppose, was a soldier who'd been killed by his own sergeant. You know, he, he probably really? mouthed them or something. And, yeah, he was hit with a trenching tool and died wow. on a battlefield. I mean, it, it's an unusual story. It didn't happen very often. But, <laughs> so so I, nothing jumps out at me, but I will tell you, there are, there are a million stories in the forest. <laughs> that yeah. is certainly true, and, and a million stories on this website. Um, you have a, a blog page, and looking at that, uh, it looks like the last entry is, is from July of last summer. Beautiful picture there of... Uh, uh, the, the lower bridge or Burnside's bridge. Would, is the blog something you plan to keep up? Is that something you just add something every year or two? Uh, how, how does that work for you? <laughs> good, good question. Fair question. Uh, for the last year or two, I've, I've only only occasionally touched it. Um, it's, mm-hmm. The blog was always it was always way secondary or tertiary or some number down the line compared mm-hmm. to the, the main site. But I did, as you as you mentioned come upon interesting stories as I went, and I figured those would just sort of get lost in the pile if I didn't bring them to the front somehow. So I used the blog for that for many years. Not many years, back 2005 through about 2010, probably, I blogged quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, With with detailed stories, but I haven't much sense. I'm not sure if I will or not. Uh, The Mm -hmm. the easiest way now, I think, is, is through some more immediate media or immediate immediate sites like uh, I have a Facebook page now. You thought I had one of those a long time ago, which I can throw things up on when I come upon them um, or tweet occasionally. I tweet the updates when I make them to the site, for example. So I, I haven't decided I noticed, really what to do with that. And on the Sorry, blog page, over on the side, there's uh, in the, the column on the right, it also adds newest up on uh, Antietam at the web. And it looks like you've added a new image and a new biography as recently as 2018-04-03. That would be yesterday. So uh, mm-hmm. even if the blog entry itself is, is a few months back, one can tell from this page that this is a live project. You've still got something right up there uh, as recently as yesterday. Now, what, is there anything you would add to this? Do you have any plans to add any, any new features, or do you see this simply uh, – you know, accumulating and, and uh, adding the grains of sand as, as you go to the existing structure. It, uh, yes, actually, I have one particular thing I'd like to do, and it, it comes from my background in IT, I suppose. It's, it's more of an IT thing than a Civil War-specific thing, and that is that, that the information about all these people and units um, is data, so it, or is our data, to be more correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The only way for anyone other than me to get at the data is to use the interface, the web pages. And it occurred to me that, that somebody might, might have enough data now or enough individuals that cumulatively they're becoming interesting, you know, the, the rates at which they're wounded or where they're from or when they're born, you know, how old they are. So to be able to, to analyze that data as a group, hmm. um, I thought maybe I would provide an API. It's an application programmer's interface. Mm-hmm. Which would let other nerds and geeks uh, connect. <laughs> That's everybody listening here. So, <laughs> okay, we're all nerds and geeks. Uh, we're all would, together. Would That's make, right. Make, perhaps make that data available to other people to to go play with on their own. Uh, 
um, share the data directly, kind of raw data, and, and let people do with it as they might. Again, I, I'm not certain there's a huge demand for that, but if there were, I'd, it might be easier to get at if I provided an interface to it. So that's a kind of a long-term project I'll work on. Well, I mean, that sounds like a, 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 somebody will be interested in that. It may not be a large number, but those who are would would be thrilled to have that kind of access uh, to that. Um, what about uh, reading on the, the battle? Do you keep up with new things that are published? Uh, uh, do you find yourself looking more for specific individual kind of hunting data, or do you? Uh, yeah, yeah you, you're you're reading my mind. The most of what I do is, uh, I hate to call it this, but it's almost like cherry picking. So when I read mm-hmm. something, it's very difficult for me to get through a narrative. Um, let's see, uh, Scott Hardwick, do I mean Hardwick? Um, mm-hmm. Produced a new volume. Uh, he, he's due to do two at least, and the first one took so long. I don't know when we'll get the second one. If you're out there, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but as I read a, a, a and it's a great it's a great. Book. Uh, as I begin to read it, I stop. I think every page or so, and I make a note. Oh, wait, here's somebody I don't know about, or here's something I can add. And it's really hard for me to 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 read, sit down, and actually read through something in a, at a clip. Um, I do try to keep up. I have, I have my library is ridiculous <laughs> in terms of physical mm-hmm. volumes, um, way more than I need. I just keep trying to read myself out of it, but it, I tend to buy them more quickly than I can read them. So. Yes, I, I've always been a reader. I suppose that was the original hook, wasn't it? So. I think it brought most of us in, certainly. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's something I think many of us imagine if we could take all the information we've collected in our heads or in our libraries and uh, to turn around and make it accessible to everybody else through a technique like this and then to have the IT skills to do it in a way that it's easily accessible and readable and usable, it's uh, it's just a remarkable thing. Uh, there may be, I, I should say this to anyone listening who's made their own uh, battlefield or Civil War-related websites, there may be many other wonderful ones out there. Uh, I know there certainly are some wonderful ones out there, and, and I've used them. But uh, I was, was tipped off to take a look at this, and it really struck me that this was uh, – the interface between academic research, uh, academic quality research, and uh, a usable website, uh, we had to talk about it. So I'm delighted you could be here tonight, Brian, and uh, just want to thank you for being on the show and wish you success with the website in the future. Well, thank you. You're too kind. I appreciate the the kindness, um, and I'm very glad to be here. And listeners, as always, after you've checked out Antietam on the web, let me thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.